I should turn over in your bulletin to page three. If you need an extra, there's more in the hallway on music stand. Um, uh, but over on over on page three, uh, you'll see an outline for our, our message this morning. In the, in the weeks leading up to and including Easter this year, we've been doing this little mini-series on who is this Jesus. Uh, we've been asking ourselves who Jesus really is, and to answer the questions, we've been looking through uh, various passages uh, that connect us to what Jesus was doing at the same date on the calendar 2,000 years ago. What was, what was Jesus doing two weeks before Easter Sunday, and one week before, and just days before last Sunday it was, what was he doing on that very first Easter Sunday morning as we celebrated it? Well, we want to continue that one more week uh, and ask ourselves, what, what's Jesus doing at this point on the calendar? But not this point, April 24th, 2,000 years ago, but what is Jesus doing, like, right now on the calendar, like today? Like this minute, we're sitting here, what is Jesus doing? Uh, and it's a really important question and a reminder that Good Friday and Easter, that's not the end of the story uh, for the saving work of Christ. Now, it is true that his cross work is done, his bearing sin and atoning uh, for the guilt of his people, all of that finished. Praise the Lord, it's done. But Jesus isn't finished. His work on behalf of his people continues, even this very minute. Okay, so what is that all about? What is it up? To? What is he up to? And how does that bring us a whole lot of encouragement, peace in the gospel, uh, and strength uh, for our walk with him? Well, it's a really easy outline to remember, because we're going to talk about Jesus, what he's doing right now, as a prophet, as a priest, and as a king. Uh, we'll change the order up a little bit. We'll do king, prophet, priest. Uh, but there's our outline, easy to remember. So if you're wondering tomorrow, what, what's Jesus doing? How does this help me? Just think prophet, priest, king. But let's talk about it together. Not just with one passage. A lot of times that's what we'll do. We'll just pick one passage and go through it. This is a little bit special in that we'll look at a bunch of different passages. They're all listed there in your bulletin. So let's start with Jesus uh, as the king. What is, who is this Jesus? He is the enthroned king who is reigning for us right now. Okay, so let's listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1. Uh, see if you can see what Jesus is up to. Uh, in the middle of the passage, kind of picking up in the middle. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ... When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is to be named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, notice how Paul connects us back to where we've been Easter Sunday. He talks about Jesus being raised from the dead. But Paul is quick to say that's not the end of the story for Jesus. Yes, raised from the dead, uh, verse 20. But raised from the dead 
and then seated at God's right hand in heaven. Now, the book of Acts fills in the details. Uh, as Luke tells us in Acts 1, uh, that Jesus, after he was raised, appeared to his disciples. Oh, it's over a period of 40 days, appearing to them, teaching them. Uh, and then, after those 40 days, Jesus ascends bodily uh, up into heavenly glory. And Paul says, yeah, ascends to be seated at God the Father's right hand. Uh, that right hand is the place of rule and authority and honor. The picture is the king is now enthroned and reigning. Now, Jesus, from the very moment of the incarnation, has always been the messianic king. Right, all there's this great, all these great promises. The king from the line of David is going to come, and and, and sure enough, from the very moment of the incarnation, uh, Jesus has been that king, the messianic king. The, the magi were absolutely right when they said, "Where is the one born king of the Jews?" Yeah, because he was born king. Uh, but what we have now, after the resurrection, after the ascension, is Jesus as king in glory. Jesus as king and in his exaltation. Jesus enthroned as king. Before, it was Jesus, the king, humbling himself to the lowest place, right? Coming, born in the likeness of, of a servant, uh, going all the way to the cross and the, and, and the fullness of death in the tomb. Uh, yeah, because he was defeating uh, sin and death, defeating all our enemies. But now that work done... The king no longer is, is in humiliation, but the king is raised up in exaltation. He's, he's enthroned, uh, reigning at the right hand of uh, the Father. And Ephesians, notice, really emphasizes the fact just how comprehensive this king's reign is. Did you catch all the, uh, all the alls? Uh, just how big this is, right? So it's King Jesus enthroned with authority. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. So, so every other place of authority and personage and position of authority. Oh yeah, he's higher than all of that. Uh, above every name in every age, both present and to come. Uh, all things under his feet, verse 22, right? That's the, the picture of, uh, of ruling and reigning. It, it's exactly what the Old Testament predicted. You remember our, our scripture reading from Psalm 2 this morning? All right, we have a little snippet in the outline, and we read the whole thing. But if, if you caught what, what the psalm is about, it's about God installing his son as the king. Uh, it's this. It's this prophecy. Ah, uh, you saw a little shadow of it in King David, but it really wasn't about David. Ultimately, it was about what was to come. That Jesus would be installed, enthroned as the reigning king. Right, uh, verses five and six. Then God will speak to them, his enemies, in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And this is fulfilled in the ascension and enthronement of Christ. Here's the eternal son, uh, who, who, who's the human son of David as, as the God-man. 
but now enthroned just as God promised. And the Lord Jesus, as the enthroned king, is the reigning king, king over everything. Uh, Paul reminds us, all power and dominion is his, so he rules over everything, even over death, right? He conquered it, the keys of Hades in his hands. Now, he's the king of kings, so he rules over every government and power of this world. Even rules, he's the king over the spirit world, the powers of darkness, even, even Satan himself, subject to the authority of King Jesus. Uh, everything, including ruling and reigning over you and me. So how does the rule and reign of King Jesus, the enthroning reign of King Jesus, right now, that's what he's doing, how does that affect us? How does that affect us? Well, actually, it depends. The reign of King Jesus and, and, and how that affects you, it really depends. Are you a friend of the king or are you an enemy of the king? It's a big difference. Uh, and maybe you caught in Psalm 2... Uh, that even the mere announcement that God has enthroned his king terrifies his enemies. The enemies of God and God's king, even just the announcement, oh yeah, the king of everything has now been enthroned, and the enemies are terrified. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? If you're, if you're an enemy of God and an enemy of, of, of his son, the king, uh, and this king is now in charge of everything. Yeah, that's not good news for you. All right? The, the one you've rebelled against is now in charge of everything. Uh, is now reigning uh, above everything. The day of reckoning is coming. So if you're an enemy of, of the king, it's not good news at all that the king is reigning and ruling on high. Um, and of course, by nature, we're all enemies of the king. Uh, as, as sinners, this is the core of what sin is. Uh, that we, we don't just fall into a few bad things, but we rebel against God and his, and his eternal rule and reign and against uh, Jesus, uh, the Son, the Messiah. In, in breaking God's law, our hearts are, are, are crying out, I want nothing to do with you, God. I want to break away from your rule and your reign. Uh, we want to be in charge of our universe. Uh, and so sin is that, that treason against God and, and the king. We set ourselves up as God's enemies. So if God has enthroned his son as the reigning king, that is not good news for enemies of the king. Unless, unless there were some way to turn enemies into friends, then it would be very good news if the king were reigning. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus does. That's exactly what the plan is. That before King Jesus is enthroned on high, he first comes to the lowest place. He comes uh, in, as a king humbling himself to bear sin and death itself, right, for us. To turn enemies into friends. Uh, to bear the guilt uh, that we deserve for our rebellion. So having borne it and taken the punishment, uh, even death itself, uh, he conquers it so that we, enemies, can be transformed into friends of the king. Uh, not because we've done anything. Free gift we just receive by faith. So if you're trusting in Christ, right? You, you're, you're receiving this free gift, trusting what Christ has done. Yeah, you were an enemy, but now you're a friend. 
Uh, you were an enemy, now you're a friend. And being a friend of the king who's enthroned on high, that is good news. Right? We, we sometimes talk about having friends in high places. You know, I know a guy, you know, I can kind of get a little in the back, you know. But if you're a believer, you have a friend in a very high place. A friend of King Jesus? Not because you've, you've earned it. He earned it for you. So if he's now ruling and reigning, this is very, very good news for us. Very good news. In fact, uh, uh, Paul in Ephesians 22, or Ephesians 1, 22, lays that out. That what is King Jesus doing? Why and how is he reigning? Verse 22, God put all things under Jesus' feet, right, authority, and gave him as head over all things to the church. In other words, King Jesus is ruling and reigning for the good of his people. Right? He's ruling for our good. To work all things for the, the blessedness, the rescue, the encouragement, the strength uh, of his own. That, that you can say to yourself, there is no detail in my world that is outside the authority of King Jesus. Uh, there, there is no hair on my head, sparrow in my backyard that's outside the authority of King Jesus, all of it. And how is he using that authority? For the good of his people. Uh, for his church. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, this side of heaven, evil doesn't still exist. It does. Uh, it doesn't mean that darkness isn't real. Oh, it's real. But what it means is uh, that King Jesus is so sovereign uh, that he uses even the darkest of the dark and the ugliest of the evil for work to work for his good purpose, uh, for his people. What, what darkness means for evil, King Jesus works for good. And, and he does it. And, and it's not easy, right? It has us walking the road of Jesus. It has us that, that cross-like sacrifice uh, before there is the, the exaltation to fullness of resurrection life. Uh, but we can, we can walk those hard roads in confidence, saying to ourselves, I have a friend in a very high place, and he reigns over everything for my good. Uh, that's encouraging news. Uh, that's strengthening news. Uh, that's news that frees you up to, to live boldly for the Lord. Right? If, if King Jesus is reigning for you, right, we really can't lose. So you can, you can boldly love and then speak of Christ and serve him and rely on him and, yeah, mess up. King Jesus is reigning for you. We can't lose. So he is the enthroned king who is reigning for us. But that's not the only thing he's doing, reigning. He's also speaking as the great prophet. Uh, so this is our, our, second, our second point. He, Jesus is the final prophet who is speaking to us. So here's Acts 2. Now this is the Apostle Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost. Uh, so this is just a couple days after Jesus ascended into heaven. And he's speaking to the crowds at Pentecost, and here's what, here's what Peter says. Notice how he does the same thing that Paul did, uh, makes a connection between Easter Sunday and what happens after it. Uh, so here's Acts 2. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. And being therefore exalted to the right hand of God, 
having received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So here's Peter. He's speaking to the, the crowds in Jerusalem, uh, these, these great crowds that have gathered for the holiday. Pentecost is a big holiday. So Jews from across the Roman Empire uh, coming, uh, coming into the city. And here is Jesus, or here's Peter, he picks up the, the story like we did last week. Oh yeah, God raised Jesus from the dead, no longer in the tomb. But then that's not the end of the story, Peter says, like Paul. Uh, like, just like Paul speaks of Christ being exalted to the right hand of the Father. And here, uh, Peter emphasizes a different aspect of what God, of Jesus, what Jesus does in his exaltation. He pours out the Holy Spirit. Right? A, what Peter says is what they are seeing and hearing. What are they seeing and hearing? You remember that story in Acts 2. What they're, what they're seeing and hearing uh, is the apostles, filled with the Holy Spirit, they're, they're speaking in tongues, speaking in different foreign languages. It's amazing to these crowds from throughout the Roman Empire, right? They come from far-off lands, and they have native tongues uh, that are foreign to Jerusalem. But here are these apostles from Galilee, and they're speaking these foreign languages, speaking about Jesus. And they're just astonished. What's going on? Are these, these guys drunk? This is... And Peter says, no, 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 no. This is the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus is doing. Uh, that he is enthroned, he is raised up and exalted, and having received the gift of the Spirit, he's now pouring it out, and it's, it's manifesting itself in this proclaiming of the good news of Jesus in the language of the people. It's exactly what Jesus promised that he would do. Uh, so uh, also in your bulletin there, John 14. Uh, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So you see what, the, what this is, promise the Spirit's going to come. You see what the Spirit does. It takes uh, Jesus' words and communicates it. Right? The Spirit speaks forth the word of Jesus. Or uh, John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's your, to your advantage that I go away. Go back to heaven. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And that's exactly what happens. Jesus goes away, right? He's exalted uh, to the right hand of the Father, and now this Helper, this Holy Spirit is poured out. Uh, and, and through the Holy Spirit, the, the word of the gospel is being preached. It's, it's the same thing that Jesus taught in his earthly ministry. Right? Remember when he's here on earth, he went around teaching. Uh, he, he spoke to the people, the king, good news of the kingdom, and of his rescue. And now the same kingdom, the same gospel rescue good news is being proclaimed, only now it's not Jesus physically on earth, uh, but it's Jesus exalted, but he's speaking through his spirit. Uh, in Acts 2, it's through the words, the verbal words of the apostles, but we're told as we keep going in scripture that the apostles write down everything uh, that the spirit gives them uh, so that we have in the scriptures the sword of the spirit. Uh, so you start to, to see how this works. Jesus uh, continuing to proclaim to us the good news of the kingdom, the good news of his rescue. Uh, now he's not doing it on earth. 
Now he's doing it enthroned on high through his word and his spirit. Maybe you could think of it this way. This very day, right, it's Sunday, it's the Lord's Day, so around the globe you have millions of people gathered in the name of Jesus. So as at least all these individuals gathered in the name of Jesus, we could ask, okay, well, what's, what's Jesus doing? While all these people gather in his name, what is Jesus up to? Is he, is he silent? Not at all. Not at all. Jesus is speaking. The, the shepherd is speaking to his sheep, and his sheep know his voice, Jesus said. Ah, he's speaking through his word, through the Holy Spirit. All right, the good news goes forth through the sword of the Spirit, the word, and the Spirit makes it alive in our, in our hearts. It's Jesus. He's teaching us what we need to know. Uh, he's encouraging us where we need to be strengthened. He's, he's challenging us where we need to be spurred on. He's comforting us uh, where we need to be encouraged. Uh, exactly what we need, uh, the King, uh, Jesus, the Good Shepherd, is speaking, and God's people know his voice. So we can be encouraged every time we come to worship. Here is Jesus uh, speaking as we open the scriptures. Even, even during the week as you open your Bible. Uh, you can think of what Jesus is doing right now. Right at that moment, Jesus is speaking through his word and spirit. He's not silent. He's giving you what you need. Uh, he's encouraging, strengthening, teaching, guiding, uh, so that you are equipped. So that you can be strengthened, uh, so that you can be guided, so that you can give heed and respond in faith, walking in these paths of life that the Lord sets before us. So... Who is this Jesus? He's, he is the enthroned king who's reigning. He's also the exalted final prophet who's speaking. And finally, uh, he is the great priest who's interceding. So we're going to go to two more passages of Scripture. Both of them, again, speak of the exalted Christ and what he's doing right now. Uh, Romans 8. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Or Hebrews 7. Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So, Right now, if you belong to Jesus, you're drawing near to God through him. That's how Hebrews describes what a believer is. So that's, that's you. Uh, if it's not you, here's the, here's the challenge. Draw near to God through Jesus. It's the only way. But if this is you, you're drawing near to God through Jesus, faith in Christ. Here's what you can be assured that Jesus is doing right now. That he is interceding for you. That he's praying for you. He's pleading your case before, before the Father. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like the work of a priest in the Old Testament. Uh, one uh, who, who was given this job by God to, to plead the case of God's people. A kind of mediator, a go-between, between, between uh, people who's struggling and a, and a holy God. And so maybe you think of Moses there, there's the, the people, they've sinned by worshiping the golden calf. 
and they deserve to be judged and and to to go without God among them. And there is Moses doing exactly what God uh, intended him for to do. He's pleading the case of the Israelites. These are your people. Forgive them. Go with them. Moses pleads the case uh, of his people. Or maybe you think of of, uh, the Old Testament high priest on the Day of Atonement. We've been studying in Numbers a little bit about the tabernacle. And you might remember that there's, there's one time a year when the high priest goes into that inner room, that inner, inner place of the tent where the, the powerful, special presence of God dwells. And he goes in uh, representing the people. He goes in pleading their case. And remember what he brings with him? He brings with him the blood of the sacrifice and, and essentially pleads the case of God's people. Forgive them. Uh, cleanse them. They don't deserve it. They're sinners, but, but wash them clean. The innocent has died for them. Exactly what God intended this priest to do and delights in this priest doing, pleading the case of his people. Well, here is the fulfillment of all of that. Those are just little pictures, little shadows. Here is the fulfillment of it all. It's Jesus himself, the great, the final high priest, uh, the ultimate intercessor. Right, both uh, here's here's Paul and the author of Hebrews. Yeah, Jesus was raised up, and now he's exalted. <clears throat> Hebrews el- uh, elsewhere in the context uh, fleshes it out. Oh, yeah, it's just like the tabernacle. Only Jesus doesn't go to a human tent. It's the it's the heavenly tabernacle. It's the ultimate dwelling place of God's glory, and he goes in not with the blood of bulls and goats. He goes with his his own blood, his own sacrifice. Which gets us to think about, okay, Jesus is pleading our case, but, but what's, what's the basis of his appeal? Right, what is the case that Jesus is pleading for you? Right, that, that makes all the difference, doesn't it? Maggie and I this weekend watched one of those courtroom dramas. And, you know, they're interesting. They're exciting. You know, what's the, the lawyer stands up representing their client, and he's got a case. Is it a good case? Has he got some really good evidence? Is it a really surefire case, or is it, eh, you know, not going to work? So, so what kind of case does Jesus have for you? Does Jesus have a really good argument, a really good plea on your behalf? It, 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 it can't be Jesus saying, well, he's a pretty good guy. He didn't sin that much. Well, okay, maybe he did. Um, yes, she, well, yeah. Is that all Jesus has? Yeah. No. His plea, his argument, is his own work. His own body and, and blood. Maybe you even make the connection with what we uh, talked about last week and, and saw in, uh, there in, in uh, Luke 24, the resurrected Jesus. Remember he makes a big point about showing the disciples his hands and his feet? Uh, John's gospel even says to Thomas, you know, come on, touch it. Here's the resurrected Jesus, right? Body transformed, but we're told still bearing the, the, the nail scars that held him on the cross. So we could ask ourselves, okay, that was Easter Sunday. Well, where, where are those scarred hands and feet now? Where are they? They're at the right hand of the Father. Uh, the very, the very uh, pictures and representation of his saving work, dying for sinners, is right there before the Father himself. 
See, see Jesus' case is his own work, uh, his own blood shed, his own body given. Uh, he, he's pleading his work, right? So much better than, eh, well, they did okay this week. No, here, here is the open, shut, settles it all case. Exactly what the Father delights and intended. Uh, Christ pleading his own work for us. And so there is no way uh, that, the, that the Father is going to come to a different verdict for you besides forgiven, uh, blessed, welcomed, loved, right? The, the Father listens to the Son and listens to this case because uh, there can be nothing else. In fact, that's exactly what, <laughs> that's exactly what Paul says in, uh, in Romans. Right? What does he say there in Romans 8? Who is to condemn? Right? If you got Jesus pleading this case, there is no one anywhere, no argument, no accusation that will ever stand against God's people to condemn them. No way. Not with Jesus as your lawyer. Not with this case for you. And that's what he's doing right now. He's pleading this case for you. Father, do exactly what you planned from before the foundation of the world. Bless forgive, strengthen. Uh, the conclusion of Romans 7 is, uh, with Jesus praying for us, uh, that, that we will be, that Jesus will be able to save to the uttermost. For here he is alive, always living to make intercession, and he's going to save to the uttermost. In other words, fully complete all his rescuing, life-giving, life-blessing work in us and in the world. Uh, he will finish it. How, how do we get that assurance that really, we're really going to get there? Uh, the work of Christ really fulfilled in us. How do we know for sure? Well, look what Jesus is doing right now. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for us. And so God's work will be finished. It will be done. See what confidence we can have? And it comes from what Jesus is doing right now. Oh, yes, there's a work of Jesus that is finished. Praise the Lord. He does not need to suffer anymore for sin. There's no more suffering that needs to take place for you and me to be forgiven fully. That's done. Thank the Lord for that. But there is another work that is continuing of Jesus. It's based on his finished work. Christ on high is reigning right now for the good of his people, even us. Christ right now is the great prophet, and he is speaking exactly what we need to hear from our Lord and our shepherd right now through his word and spirit. Now, Christ is the great priest who right now is interceding, praying for you, for strength when you're weak, for forgiveness when you fail, uh, for the full completion of his work in you. Right now, uh, praying for that uh, before the Father who delights to give. So you start to... Put this together and see the, the comfort, the confidence, the joy. Uh, none of us really knows for sure the challenges of tomorrow. It might be a lot. But, but there's one thing we know for sure about tomorrow. We know what Jesus is going to be doing. Now, whatever he has, we're walking through, we know what Jesus is doing. He's reigning for us. He's speaking to us. Uh, he's interceding for us. And the confidence, the comfort, the joy, the strength, 
Just think what Jesus is doing. Let's pray together. Lord, we are thankful for how good and how gracious. Lord, who of us could could put together a salvation this good? And I could could understand the depth of our need and, and the and the mountain of your grace. And we're thankful that your your ways higher than our ways, Lord, indeed, bring forth this great Savior and his great work. Uh, We do pray, Lord, that you would encourage and strengthen your people, that those who don't know you would would bow before uh, the King and find forgiveness and strength. Uh, Lord, we pray, encourage and guide us. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Amen.